Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for $2.49 a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. This is a podcast from Minute Media. Welcome to the Kyle Coster Show, presented by The Big Lead. I am here with Stephen Douglas, my partner in crime, my coworker, my friend, my spiritual muse, all that stuff of thebiglead.com. We're going to talk about some sports issues, some of them pressing, some of them extremely extraneous, as you might come to expect on a podcast. The first thing I want to talk about is live golf versus the PGA Tour. Now, my thoughts on this issue are well documented. I'm not a fan of live. No surprise there. And my general takeaway in the piece that I wrote and shared on this podcast a few weeks ago was that it's fine if you want to be a fan of live golf, but that requires being a fan of live golf. And I remain extremely skeptical that this league will catch on, that the people who say that they're excited about it or worse are online using some sort of weird moral whataboutism to say that people shouldn't have issues with the league, don't intend to watch. That will get down six weeks from now, the league will not have any additional buzz and the long-term viability to me is a real concern. And that's making this new narrative that's taking hold in media surprising or perhaps not surprising when you consider some of the things that it's coming on the heels of where everybody's saying that the PGA tour is in trouble, that live is inflicting these body blows that a few more defections may spell doom for the venerable established league, which in my mind is probably the best run of all the major sports leagues in America. I'm finding it very hard to understand this thought process because when I look at the state of play, on one hand, you have the PGA Tour, which has a great foundation, which is a known entity. And on the other, you have a league that's backed by the Saudis, led by Greg Norman, hasn't proven or done anything. And I'm just kind of at a loss why people are assessing this scenario and walking away saying that the league that's in trouble is the PGA Tour and not one that seems to be leveraging itself beyond belief to win the day, to day trade with no feasible long-term plan. So that's a long preamble, but Stephen, I have to assume that you're like-minded on this issue, maybe not for the moral reasons, um, maybe for the moral reasons, maybe for several reasons, but How have you processed this whole rise of live golf and the controversy and the uncertainty that it's bred? Well, it's, it's happened almost so fast. It seems uh, like, I don't know. I feel like a month ago, there was just like a little rumbling around like Phil. And now it's like half the tour seems to be gone. Yeah. I don't, I don't know what their long-term plan is or if they even have one, you know, it's, clear sports washing uh from the golfer's perspective i mean 
it's an ungodly amount of money. I understand uh, taking that money uh, and not having to worry about anything, um, you know, except for what might happen if you suddenly decide you have an injury and you can't play in one of their tournaments and they're saying, well, you know, we have, we paid you this money, you're supposed to play. I think those are, that's the kind of thing that someone's going to end up having to deal with and they're probably not going to like what, what happens. It's like any of the upstart football leagues. Um, There's this initial uh, interest in, you know, with golf, I mean, I think we've we've seen that like all these professional golfers, a lot of them golf most weeks, but people only really care about like a few big tournaments. You've got all your majors and then like uh, the Memorial or, you know, a couple others. It's like, if it's not the name of the tournament that people actually care about, then there's not that much interest. I have no idea what happened in the first uh, live, live uh, tournament. I have no idea who did well. I don't know if anybody did good or bad. I just know it happened. I don't know. I, I, I just don't know. I mean, I mean, you've got paid. I mean, like how Phil Mickelson got this 200,000 or yeah, 200,000, 200 million or whatever, 300 million. Is that lifetime? I mean, is he just, is he going to be playing uh, friendly rounds with uh, oil CEOs for the rest of his life until he can't walk anymore. I mean, nobody, nobody's going to care about this. And as long as the PGA still has their real tournaments, they'll find other stars. It's like Tiger Woods has that uh, Hero World Challenge. It's like it's got Tiger Woods, and nobody cares about it. No one really cares. So you know, hello, you only live once. I'm with you on one element. Yes, I don't know what Just happened one? in the Live Tour. Um, I think that's a problem for Live Tour. I don't really see why that's a win. I don't understand why that's a success. It drew low ratings. There was no buzz outside of the controversy. We don't know the actual result to this day, and I follow golf closely. Um, you could tell me anybody won, and I would believe you. Um, they've unveiled team captains. Uh, some of the team names are pretty ridiculous. They're playing a weird format. I believe that people are drawn to golf because it's very simple to understand. You look at the standings, you look at the scoreboard and someone's five under someone's one under you understand like these clandestine and like Byzantine team tournaments I don't understand why people think that that's going to generate excitement, why that's going to bring buzz like the Ryder cup. Yes, that's a different format, but that is established as this huge event on the calendar. I just am struggling to envision a world where you see someone out in the wild with some of this team gear. Um, (laughs) You see someone out in the wild singing the fight song of whatever team captain whatever team Kevin Na captains. Um, I don't think, I think on paper, a lot of people get excited about the new thing and they don't think about, okay, well, what's this new thing going to be in six months, two months, a year. The element I disagree with you on is I think that golf fans care about every weekend. I know that I do. Now, is the travelers, which happening, which is happening right now, is that going to generate the same interest as last week's U.S. Open? No. 
But I think the great part about being a golf fan is there is a tournament every week. The fields shift, the fields change. I think in a lot of ways, when you see some of these top guys not playing every tournament, yes, that can feel like a, subtra a subtraction, but it can also result in being an addition because you have golfers further down on the roster compete and you get to know their stories. You get to see them go for the title, see how they perform under pressure. Oftentimes you get like an established star versus an up and comer or someone who hasn't won in six years. Golf is so good at finding a million storylines every single weekend. And I think that's the huge draw to the game. At least it is to me. Now, what storylines can live generate? I think that the one story that they're generating is that they're not the PGA tour. And I think that that has an element of diminishing returns. Now the big test will come in Portland, Brooks Kepka, Bryson DeChambeau will be playing in that one. That is obviously a draw. That's obviously interesting, but outside of that, I'm not sure we're going to get to that event and everybody's going to be talking about it. And I certainly don't think they're going to be consuming it like a legitimate golf tournament. I think I still think it will be presented 60-40 with 60% of the people kind of making jokes, laughing at it, talking about how they don't like it. 40% arguably like saying, okay, it's not so bad. You guys are hypocrites, but a precious, precious few will actually be engaged and be sincere, honest fans of this event. And I maybe that changes. I've been wrong. Do you have more optimism that live can succeed and what would lives success kind of look like to you? Well, I, I have a question first. Um, they just did the big draft uh, with their fancy team names. And then they just added like, uh, and Bryson and Brooks just joined since then. Right. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, is there any continuity with these teams? Um, uh, what, what's going to happen to my beloved drive shafts or whoever the hell they are? Is there a supplemental draft? Is there a new draft every weekend where it's different teams? Um, do you, do you know the answer to that is that's a serious question. First of all, I don't know the answer. Second of all, I don't think that the answer matters because in order to draw interest in a team, you have to establish team loyalty um, Ohio yeah. state is popular because people went to Ohio state or have been rooting for Ohio state for 30 years. The Detroit tigers are the Detroit tigers, like the New York Yankees are the New York Yankees, like, and on and on and on we go, who is going to be an earnest supporter of these clubs and not an ironic supporter of a cool Jersey or something they're doing to duck, to go against the current thing like is this a league that's only for contrarians and that kind of brings us to another point i want to talk about and there's two elements okay i can't separate live from the culture war i see it being a part of you look at the players who have joined live you look at who funds it and you look at who supports it and overwhelmingly that's the same people who are going to be your Fox News viewer. That's overwhelmingly going to be someone who is kind of pushing for like this moral flatness where nothing matters and everything's okay. 
And I think that it's been interesting that it hasn't really taken hold in some of the places that maybe they expected to get support from. And I want to point to Barstool. Okay. Pardon My Take has a relationship with Brooks Kepka. He's a longtime friend of the site. He is in constant contention for the Blake of the Year Award. Now, Pardon My Take sent out a tweet yesterday saying that he was suspended. He is ineligible for the Blake of the Year Award. Now, is that stupid? Yes. Is it silly? Yes. Is it funny? Yes. All of those things. But I haven't seen like this rise through a very popular entity that has a lot of power like Barstool. They haven't embraced it. And I wonder if Liv really needs that. Like, does Liv need to be this cultural war to succeed where they can capture 35 or 40% of the country who sees it as a response to like an institution? I, I mean, they just kind of want to want people to talk about golf and how, you know, the Saudis are, are having this, you know, fun uh, alternate alternative to the PGA tour. Right. I mean, that's, that should be their goal, not to like further uh, stoke the flames of politics which which is what is continuing to bring up all the reasons that it is bad you would think that they just want they they really want to stick to sports here i would think and just make people forget about all the other stuff so i would think they would want like uh barstool just so like sports fans are taking are like oh you know i'm excited about live I'm excited about watching Brooks. Um, I, I don't know what, what award he's been he's been suspended from or uh, made ineligible for. I'm, I, I feel bad for him. You know, the hits just keep on coming. Yeah, I, I would think that they would want to, you know, stick to sports here. I mean, that seems like it should be their goal. Yeah, I don't know if they're able to do that, though. I, I yeah, really I don't, know. just based on kind of how the lines have been drawn. And the second kind of bigger picture thing I was thinking about in the context of what's going on in our world at large is we just are in the midst of the cryptocurrency crash. We have seen what's happened with NFTs. Remember NBA Top Shot? That's a blast. Yeah. I hope your holdings are doing well. They're not. I'm opening a pack right now. Oh, good. Oh, look at this. Wow. Oh, my gosh. He's opening it with his mind. Oh, that is, that's really good podcast fodder. Um, I got a jumper. I, un I understand that we live in a time where we see our institutions exposed as being pretty hollow and crumbling and people want something that's new, something that is forward thinking, something that is revolutionary. So I understand the draw and the appeal here and kind of like the cultural touchstone and the trends that it's following. But it's a little bit frustrating to me because it seems like we go rinse, repeat on Here's a shiny new thing that's going to change everything. Here's a shiny new thing that's going to change everything. And then inevitably, I would say 30% of the people buy in, 70% of the people are kind of skeptical about it, fire off their jokes, and then are proven correct as there's this crash, as this thing kind of burns. So I am kind of at my wits end in terms of people not looking at the long view and Assessing the 
situation and saying, okay, well, the PGA tour has problems. There's things that it needs to do better. This is obviously a challenge for them, but why are we not asking questions about the long-term viability of the new thing? Like, can we see their business plan? What is this going to look like in five years? What is this going to look like in 10 years? Is there any chance that these golfers are going to be ultimately happy with the decision that they made? Because yes, the money's really great, but if this ends in some scenario where they have to come crawling back or worse, the PGA doesn't accept them, they've essentially burned their careers. So I think it's really weird that everybody's kind of presenting live as this smooth sailing operation that's not going to run into choppy waters where the PGA tour, which has decades and decades of adapting and growing and evolving and figuring it out is seen as this ship that's hit the Titanic. Yeah. But also like, I don't know with PGA, like I, I know you had plenty of uh, issues with the uh, broadcast of the U uh, S open uh, last weekend. I mean, they've been doing this for years and people still aren't getting it right um, all the time. So, I mean, there's definitely, there's, there's a space for this, for a different kind of golf. Uh, And you know, who would actually have a good chance of like making this work on like a smaller scale is like the match. Whoever's with capital one, whoever's putting this together, it's just grow that slowly. Um, And just like, have like a four ball tournament with like 16 golfers, you know, actually have, I mean, if the PGA tour wants to just stick to regular PGA tour events and doesn't want to get weird at all. I mean, there, there, if there's an audience for it, why not just, I mean, you will want somebody like that to grow it and, you know, add in people like Barkley and Curry. And I, there's a space for it. And it's just that, live there's clearly no plan no real plan i mean with the teams and like their score bug was completely ridiculous uh indecipherable even i don't know they're it just they don't you you know they don't really have a plan they're just throwing a lot of money trying to like get headlines and get all the big name golfers so no, I don't, I don't think long-term it's going to work out, but that's not really, it, it doesn't matter to them somehow. I, I just can't imagine having that kind of money where you can just throw billions of dollars away and just your stated goals not succeed. Yeah. It's a weird situation. You know, it's like a company announces their intention to monthly go down to the big incinerator and, and throw big stacks of bills in. And it's like you said earlier, YOLO. Um, the last thought on that I will, I will say about the PGA Tour is the PGA Tour needs to get serious about growing the game of golf, not just their tour. Um, if that's the stated goal of live, which is dubious at best, all these people are taking the money. And again, I don't really begrudge them because who's to say I wouldn't do the same thing. Oh, no, it's so much situation. Right. It's so so much like, and I, and I don't begrudge the people who are going to watch it. I just think that there's things the PGA tour should get serious about in growing the game of golf, not just their tour. Like you said, the partnership with the match, figuring out some way that they can leverage celebrity and open the game up to everybody else and kind of say that golf is synonymous with the PGA tour, not just with the best golfers in the world competing in these venerable tournaments, but also these pop-up events that kind of show 
what golf can be the fun side of it, because like you said, there's plenty of room for them to do that to more pressing issues. One of the things that has cropped up during the NBA playoffs and continues today because content must be fed is the idea of a bus driver versus a bus rider. I wrote about this. Charles Barkley trotted it out. Several other people followed. It's become a buzzword. There can only be one bus driver of a basketball team, and it's not the actual bus driver that takes them to the hotel. It's a player on the court. I This discussion is crazy. It's part and parcel to this whole thing that they've done where only one or two people in the entire NBA are ever, ever given credit for having a good year because it's not enough to be on a championship team. It's not enough to be the best player of a championship team. You also have to rely on other players on your team playing poorly, so poorly that you carry a team, which I'm going to go ahead and check what I know about sports here in this big folder. I have things I know about sports and Yes, that makes it extremely hard to win a championship when you're the only player playing well. It's been done. All of that to say, you have come to this podcast with your list carefully considered, vetted of the four best bus drivers in history. So lay it on me. Give me number four right now. Let's discuss their ability to drive a bus, to lead, to have poise under pressure. All right. Uh, at number four, I have Otto from the Simpsons. Now you might think, ah, you know, he, he appears to have some sort of substance abuse problem, even if those substances are illegal now. Um, but consider this, he's been doing this for over 30 years. Plus he has been 29 for all of those years. So he has been in his prime for three decades and shows no sign of aging. And that is the kind of guy you want to give a supermax. Yeah. I mean, I think if I am a resident of Springfield and my kids are going to the public school for which he drives the bus, I'm a little bit concerned about the red eyes. I'm a little bit concerned about his ability to react quickly to developing traffic situations. On the other hand, his resume speaks for itself. Never had an accident, uh, provides great commentary, what I admire about him is his ability to block out distractions. He always has his headphones yep. on. He gets into the zone. I think it's a shame if he hasn't already secured a sponsorship with Bose headphones, because you can kind of see him like in the commercial riding, climbing up the bus stairs, listening to Aloe Blacks. I'm the man. <laughs> uh, yeah. I mean, a great bus driver. And when you talk about that franchise that he's, been a part of for so long i mean they've won they've won again and again and they've done it with different cores a lot of turnover on that roster a lot of new players but he knows his job right his job is to get the kids to school teach him a little bit about acdc uh you know and just vibe out there so i think a good clubhouse guy an excellent bus driver maybe not the type a archetype that we've come to appreciate but he gets it done in his own way who's number three okay uh number three i have uh the bus driver from billy madison which was an uncredited role for chris farley uh he shows an unshakableness um 
Yeah, he got hit in the back of the head with a uh, sandwich while he was driving. He threatened to turn the bus around. So, you know, he's he's willing to, to speak up when he needs to. But he didn't turn that bus around. He got the kids to their field trip. And, you know, one of the popular uh, basketball phrases is he took his lunch. Well, he took 30 of them. So he's a hell of a bus driver. Yeah, he's uh, he's constantly hungry. Um, I like his fire out there. Um, he let everybody know that he was in charge. And one thing you want from a real bus driver, someone who's going to lead, someone who is going to get people to follow, is you want that assertive voice and huddles. And you know that he has it, okay? Um, and he's also teaching valuable lessons, right? Individual sacrifice for the common good. Now, in this case, that's him eating a bunch of PB&Js, saying questionable, cancelable, cancel, cancelable things about women who may be on the bus. Um, Kyle, edit problematic. That Kyle, can you edit that out? That part where you just uh, messed up a word. Yeah, I'm sorry. I have uh, I have a bit of a macabre history um, in in misusing words, so we'll be sure to edit that out, earn our money. Um, it's, it's an important part of the job and it really shows that uh, you're a professional organization. Uh, if I ever hope to get 50 million from a uh, streaming service, uh, we're going to have to have things buttoned up. So thank you. That's an important note. Number two. Uh, number two, I've got Cosmo Kramer from Seinfeld. A heckler got heckled at their job by a comedian. Yeah, unthinkable. Uh, so this person ran out into the street and had, uh, her toe severed by a street sweeper. I mean, the pinky toe, that's a very important appendage. Um, and someone found that a hero, he put in a Cracker Jack box full of ice. He got on the bus. Someone tried a man with a gun appeared. He had to drive. He ended up having to drive the bus. He's making all the stops. I mean, Cosmo Kramer, he's Batman. And that's not the only time he's driven a bus. He also drove the Peterman reality bus tour. Um, 3750 and you get a pizza bagel and a dessert. So what more do you need than Cosmo Kramer as your bus driver? Two types of bus drivers out there. One from the school of Michael Jordan, where they stick with one bus for their entire career, leading it into the promised land. Another type of bus driver can use, can learn to use different vehicles. Now we've seen this with LeBron James has three. Um, I think that Cosmo, again, first of all, great length. You're going to want that. He could reach out there. One of the things that he was able to do is he was, could engage defenders with one hand while fending off another one from behind. Uh, cool as hell doing it too. Played with so much style. Um, Kind of crazy, too, because you know that he had no formal training. This is a guy who did not go to college. He went straight into the pros, hopped on, got a few 10 days, and really contributed when it mattered. Excellent choice at two. Without further ado, who's the number one bus driver of all time? Uh, this, this is such a no-brainer. I've got Annie, Annie Porter from Speed. You know, she, she controls the pace, keeps it above 55 at all times. Uh, most importantly, she's an Arizona wildcat. So she, uh, she learned from Lou Olson. And if you look at her age, Sandra Bullock's age, 
She was born in uh, 64. Steve Kerr was born in 65, which means that she went to Arizona with Steve Kerr. So who better to spot a bus driver than Steve Kerr? Yeah, proud tradition in that program. You're talking about Richard Jefferson. You're talking about Damon Stoudemire, um, attractive brand of ball. Yeah, I liken her to kind of like a Steve Nash type, right? The 55 miles per hour, that was kind of like the seven seconds or less. Always playing within herself too. You know, I mean, even at that speed, you know, you can worry about a lot of turnovers, but, you know, the bus never fell into the wrong hands. That's an impressive list. Um, And it's important that we got that out there because this is a very important discussion point. And more importantly, I think that give us three or four days and speak for yourself might actually be doing the same list. Finally, uh, a bit of an announcement, uh, maybe a bit premature as we're still putting the pieces together here. Um, But we are going to be launching a new podcast on the big lead feed. We're very excited about it. It's called the big stream. You will hear Steven very regularly on that because he loves to stream television. Um, We are a sports and pop culture site. Uh, We're the first to ever do it. Let no person forget. But Steven, can you tell me a little bit about this project, what we're going to be doing, why it's appealing and what the listeners can look forward to? Uh, The big stream, uh, it's something we've been kicking around for quite a while. Uh, Obviously something we've delved into before, uh, mostly trying to shoehorn it onto the the top seven or the best of seven podcast. Uh, This just gives us a chance to talk about movies and TVs a little bit more regularly. Um, uh, It's, it's exciting. It's, um, it's, it's going to be fun to uh, grow it and just, you know, expand the Big Lead Podcast Network. And, you know, hopefully we can get it going so we can talk about Stranger Things uh, in a week or two. But uh, if not, there's constantly new thing. There are constantly new shows and movies that we talk about, we sometimes write about, and now we're going to have a chance to... Uh, now we have a, a specific place to put it every, uh, every week, a couple of days a week. Yeah. I mean, for me, it was just something that we in Slack every single day are kind of mentioning what we watched last night, whether it was good or not. And I think the intriguing thing is that not everything has to be a hit. Not everything has to be current. Um, not so long ago, I rewatched backdraft uh, three nights in a row we're going to be talking about backdraft. Uh, I watched Spiderhead the other night. I'm dying to talk about it. Not the best movie in the world. Um, caught a little bit of Jeremiah Johnson with Robert Redford. Have you seen that lately? It's dynamite. I'm looking forward to kind of just coming on, talking about what we watched last night, even if it's completely random, because so many people are chasing the hottest thing, the most important thing all of that. We kind of want this to be reflective of very organic. This is what we watched. Maybe it was for the first time. Maybe it was for the 13th time, but the discussion points are there. And I think that people will be intrigued and excited to wake up one morning and see that Poltergeist is on there or see that 
the fourth episode of the second season of I Think You Should Leave, which I watched last night and noticed is extremely deep and has no fat in it and is just an accomplishment beyond belief in the world of comedy. I'd love to get those takes out there. I'm really looking forward to it. That's going to be launching soon. So please keep an eye out. We will have a big fancy announcement for you when it's done. Steven, thanks so much for the time. It was great talking golf, buses, and upcoming projects with you. Yes, thank you. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.